we uh, should also continue to remember uh, Linda Butts, um, Edith's daughter-in-law, uh, been battling cancer for 40 years, and it's flared up again recently. That's where Edith is today, helping take care of Linda. So pray for Edith and pray for Linda. This morning, we had our deacons meeting with our new deacons. Our new deacons are Frank Self and Hal Bennett and John Orgeron. They joined Harry and Javine and Mitch Hagens. Uh, Ralph Clark, Buddy Ennis, and Charlie Hartsfield have rotated off. And this morning, they elected Mitch to be the chairman of the deacons, and so we're thankful for that. And Harry is the assistant chairman of the deacons, and we're thankful for that. And we will have an ordination service before too long for John Orgeron, and we'll let you know about that when that occurs. And so you be praying for them as well. So if you've been in the hospital as a patient or a visitor, it's likely you're familiar with the call button. Any ever, anyone in here ever pushed a call button in a hospital? Some of you have unfortunately had to do that. So imagine being in the hospital and you IV starts, you know how they beep? And it starts to beep and it beeps and it beeps and it beeps. And then you haven't eaten in, oh, 10 hours or so. And let's pretend the television is stuck on C-SPAN with the volume as high as it goes. And for added fun, let's say the room is on fire. So got it? The IV's beeping. You haven't eaten in 10 hours. C-SPAN, volume 10, room is on fire. Is anybody in here not going to hit the call button? We're all on the same page. Would you have hit it before the 10 hours without food or while the rooms, would you hit it earlier than I've, you wouldn't have let it get to this point. It's a ridiculous illustration, I know, but all too often in our lives, we fail to hit the call button in really tough circumstances. Philippians chapter four, verse six says this. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So today we're going to focus on eight words here, eight life-changing words. Let your request be made known to God. For the next several weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. And this, if you, and if I, if all of us follow this, could be some life-changing times together before we go further. Let us pray. Lord, if we've been in church long, we likely know what prayer is. Forgive us if we've gotten too familiar. Forgive us if we have fallen into routine. Forgive us if we have not prayer, prayed as we should. Forgive us if we have not let your, our requests be made known to you or if we've let them known to you as a last resort. Father, let us be people of prayer, life-changing, world-altering prayer. Father, in these moments and in these weeks ahead, change us to be prayer warriors every moment of every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever known anyone, and this will be a sign of hands, that didn't pray enough? Ever known anybody that didn't? Okay, we... Ever known someone that prayed too much? 
No hands are up. That's interesting. That's why I begin with this story from Genesis chapter 4. Now the man, Adam, knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel, and a lot of time has passed now, probably a few decades. Now Abel is a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. His countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Granted, this section of scripture has nothing to do with prayer, but there's a great life lesson here that we can apply to anything, and today we'll apply it to prayer. God accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain, and the question is why? Well, it's pretty clear, I think, as we read it, that Abel gave his best, and Cain did not. In verse 4, it says, And Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Abel thought about it. He got his best, the best that he had. He didn't save it for him. He didn't save it for others. He took it to God. And it seems that Cain gave very little effort and thought. Now, remember we're talking about God here, gifts to God. And sometimes we forget that when we're praying who it is we're talking to. Abel remembered that, that it was for God. And so he did his best. And Cain, he just kind of grabbed some stuff. He didn't focus. And it seems he didn't care. And in verse 5, for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. Abel brought firstlings. Cain brought leftovers. No thought, no effort, and now no reward. It's interesting, just that one biblical story can help you in your life of business, about giving your best, or in sports, or in relationships, or whatever it is you do, put forth your best effort. And now we need to talk about our effort with prayer. How's your effort is where we begin. Are you giving God your very best in your prayer life? Or have you fallen into a routine you ever fall into a prayer routine? I have. I remember probably most of the most of the 60s and into the 70s, my nighttime prayer consisted of this one. When nighttime comes, I go to bed, the stars light up, I'm not afraid, I know God cares for me. Now that's adorable when I was two years old and learning how to do it. When I'm 22, I probably should have figured out something a little bit better than that effort. And sometimes we can fall into a rut or a routine with our prayers. And God doesn't want our mediocre offerings. He wants our best. Let me share with you some quotes about prayer. Some I know who said them, others I don't. One that I don't know says, there's a direct correlation between not knowing God well and not asking much of him. A failure in our prayer life is generally a failure to know God. 
And I think that's true. Another wrote, communication with our Father in heaven is not a trivial matter. It is a sacred privilege. And we should look at it as such. I don't know who said this one, but it's a perfect illustration. A prayerless Christian is like a bus driver trying alone to push his bus out of a ditch because he doesn't know that Superman is on board. Get the picture? Superman's on board and the bus driver's trying to push it out of the ditch when help is that close. I saved this poem for years. I got up early one morning and rushed into the day. I had so much to accomplish I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to seek joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. A great way to begin your day, to end your day, and to live your day is praying. Oswald Chambers, I think, was trying to shock people years ago when he wrote it and put it this way. Prayer is not practical. It is stupid. And until we see that prayer is stupid, that is stupid from the ordinary, natural, common sense point of view, we will never pray. It is absurd to think that God is going to alter things in answer to prayer, but that is what Jesus said he will do. It sounds stupid, but its stupidity is based on the redemption of his son. The reason that our prayers are not answered is that we are not stupid enough to believe what Jesus says. Oswald Chambers. You know what it says in the book of James. I didn't include this illustration or this scripture, but you have not because you what? You ask not. I had a roommate in college, and he had a date every weekend. And he wasn't really the best-looking person in the world, and I never understood it. And finally, I just asked him his secret. He said, how many girls are on campus? I said, I don't know, 8,000? He said, I ask a lot of girls out. A lot of them told no, but some of them said yes. And he had a date because he asked. It's a silly illustration, but I've always remembered that. We have not because we ask not. The more I read scripture, the more I get excited about prayer. I want us to look at a story this morning that gets me excited about what God can do. 2 Kings chapter 6 records the results of what must have been a great prayer life. Let's go there together. One day, a group of the prophets came to Elijah, young prophets in training, and told him, as you can see, the place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs, and there we can build a new place for us to meet. So they're building a seminary for little preacher boys to learn, and their master is Elisha. They've gone to the river. They're going to cut down some logs and work. Elijah thinks it's a good idea. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, some suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them, and when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. 
But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Can you imagine the feeling? This is, you know, it's biblical. Don't loan your tools. It's one thing you can learn from this lesson. But an axe head in the day was a prized possession. This would have been a lot of money. And now this preacher in training has lost an axe head he borrowed from somebody, and it's not good. Verse 6, Elisha said, where did it fall? The man of God asked, and when he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick, and he threw it onto the water at that spot, and then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elijah said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. Axe heads don't float, do they? It's an interesting story, and I believe it's all true. And the only way to find out if an axe head will float is to pray about it. If I'm Elisha, I feel bad for the guy that lost the axe head. Maybe I let him borrow mine. Maybe I take him to Home Depot. Maybe I take up a special offering so he can pay his buddy back. But it doesn't cross my mind that it would float. But Elijah is not an ordinary guy. And you can tell that he has a plan when he asks, where did it fall in? If I'm the apprentice, I'm thinking, what difference does it make? It's in the water. It's gone forever. Scripture does not give us the exact prayer, but Elijah had to ask God to intervene because Elijah could not do this, but God can. So Elijah asked God for help, and then it floats. And I love the story. And it's one of my favorites because in teaching us about prayer, this is not a life or death situation. Some people only seem to pray in life or death situations when it's really bad. Or some people will only pray for others and not for themselves. And what we should learn from this is that God cares about every aspect of your life and my life. Every aspect. And therefore, we should be able to pray about every aspect of our lives. I've saved this quote for years, and this is good stuff, and it is true. God is great because there's nothing too big for him. And God is great because there's nothing too small for him. He cares about every aspect of our lives, big and small. And so stories like this help me to redefine reality. And the reality is there's nothing too difficult for God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us, something we all get and should do. Pray without ceasing. If we only do it in the morning, we're missing out. If we only do it at night, we're missing out. We should pray like we breathe. It is always that close, and we should use it all through the day and do it all through the day. Let me ask you this. How different would your life be if you did just this? How different?
How different would your family be? Our church be? Our country be? Does our country need prayer? But sometimes we just say, you know, that's just the way it is. We can't do anything about it. And we throw in the white flag before we ever pray a prayer. Let's end where we started. Philippians 4, 6. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. It's interesting how it begins to grab our attention. Do not worry about anything. We read that, we think, you've got to be kidding. Do you know what's going on in my life? Do you know how things are at work? Do you know about my health? Do you know about my family? Do you not know that I worry all the time? How can you not worry? If you do what the rest of the verse says, if you let your request be made known to God, and in everything you pray, then you won't worry. Because you know God is going to take care of you. So here's your homework. Pray some radical, ridiculous prayers. If you lose your axe head, I doubt you will this week, pray about it. But whatever happens, whatever you've settled on, whatever you've given up about, it might be someone, it might be something, you pray. And start to keep records and share with one another what is happening. Because your God is great and can do anything. Let your request be made known to God. Let us pray. So, Father, here we are in church today with request. And we're all different. We all have our own needs. But in common, we can pray for our church that you would continue to bless us and help us as we grow. In common, we could pray for revival in not only our church and our land and our world that desperately needs revival. Father, we can pray for our country that there would be healing and that there would be civility and that you would intervene and that's going to take revival too. And so it seems when we think about the most important things of prayer, we go beyond the physical, we go to the spiritual. Father, we mentioned our prayer list today, and we mentioned so many people that we asked for you to intervene in. And Father, again, um, Jake comes to mind, and we pray for that young man. Father, that you would miraculously heal and touch him and bless mom and dad and those involved in the situation. Father, we all have our list. Help us all through the day without ceasing to let our request be made known to you because you can take care of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the things that we have in the pews and in the Welcome Center in the foyer are some connect cards. If you have a prayer request, would you please fill that out and let me have that? If you'd like to join the church, you can do that as well, or we can have an invitation. We'll do an invitation next week if God is leading you to do that, but you can join that this way as well. So I would love for you to do that. If you have a a prayer request especially, please let us know. God bless you. Have a great week as you let God know your request.